Hi everyone, Phil Seymour here, Company President at IBA. Welcome to our review of the Engine Market podcast. I'm joined today by David Archer, Senior Analyst of our Commercial Engine Division. Um, David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Phil. Good. Um, well, first of all, David, I must say I think we've had a, uh, an extremely busy year uh, with or without COVID. Uh, I think the department has grown uh, by 50% in terms of the uh, the analysts we have. So uh, a welcome along to Dennis and uh, Jamie in that team. So um, well done on that front. But here we are, David, we did a we did an engine market update a couple of months ago. We're coming up to December. We still have COVID around. But um, yeah, there's obviously been some good news about the vaccine uh, or the vaccines. Uh, there seems to be a, a glimmer of hope in terms of the, the way forward with that. And perhaps we'll be traveling again next year. Uh, meanwhile, we've seen uh, many of the stored aircraft come back into service. Utilizations are increasing. We're by no means back to pre-COVID levels, but presumably we're seeing engine time being used now and uh, perhaps we'll start to see an increase in shop visits. Um, but actually, David, I think we're we're down considerably, aren't we, in terms of numbers of engine shop visits? I mean, roughly how many were there last year? And roughly how many shop visits do we expect by the end of 2020? Sure. So, so last year we were kind of midway through what was just continually strong growth for the for the shop visit market. Uh, we were in the region of, of uh, 3,000 aircraft or 6,000 engine shop visits across all markets, so narrow body and wide body, uh, with narrow body growth predicted to kind of drive the future of the market. Um, now, we touched on this in our webinar earlier this year, in several of our webinars actually, as to what the reaction of the market has been. And we projected in the region of 30 to 70% drop in terms of shop visit demand. That's quite a, a broad range. Um, and, and we gave a couple of uh, scenarios for, from less to more optimistic or, or, or perhaps more pessimistic. Um, and what it seems to be now is that we've actually landed in a space of around about half of what we saw last year, half of the shop visit events, um, which ties in with one of our more optimistic scenarios. Now, with the news of the vaccine, whether that, that reflects we're going to have that same recovery profile that we projected on an optimistic viewpoint, I think that's debatable. There's a lot of variables involved there but it does seem like a positive outlook. Um, now, obviously we, um, as the engine valuations team, this is the time of year where it really picks up. Um, we've had um, more engine valuation requests this year than we have previously. Luckily, um, by taking on a few new analysts in the team, we've been able to handle that demand, but uh, it's a period of time where we're seeing a lot of questions, but I do think um, that the, the tides are changing. We're, we're seeing a bit of a more positive debate around that market. It's still, it's still a, a, a you know a soft time. There's no no question there. The the future is looking a little bit less bleak. Yeah, I think um, also if I look back, some of the outlooks we were putting together beginning of last year, I think we were very concerned about the uh, the lack of capacity with, with so many engine shop visits on the horizon. I think the issue we had last year was actually saying. There just aren't enough shops. Um, so presumably, this has been a correction that has gone way beyond we were expecting. But but again, is that fair to say that that sort of uh, that huge rush of engine shop visits has um, has obviously meant that there's just overcapacity now across all engine types? So um, 
Absolutely, absolutely. That, that, that was the question uh, late 2019, what was going to happen with capacity? We were seeing huge amounts of investment. Every every MRO facility you could, you could think of was expanding their uh, overall facilities, uh, and that quickly turned on its head. Um, surprisingly, the question or the debate is still around capacity. Um, what we saw at the start of this year was MROs and OEMs, um, unfortunately, laying off a lot of personnel and trying to match their their capacity to what demand they saw for the for the near future. Um, so hopefully, we're in a position now where that that demand and capacity is somewhat in alignment. But the real question is about the future. So there's going to be some delay in terms of when capacity can pick up to meet demand, and that's not going to lead the way. They'll do whatever they can, but you, you can't you can't increase capacity without that demand being there in the first place. Um, that said, when we're looking at this this capacity drop off, inevitably you're going to have to put these shop these engines through the shop. Some, I think it's very fair to say, won't come to fruition. Mature wide-body engines are a key example of that, um, where you're just not going to see them being invested in further for their maintenance, and those, those shop visits won't occur. But we are starting to see somewhat of a, a build-up of shop visits that have, will overlap. So whilst the recovery, you know, we're not going to come back to that 6,000 engine shop visits a year uh, anytime in the next two to three years, let's say, Beyond that, we may actually exceed our previous expectations because of that increased demand. Um, I think that that's somewhat inevitable. Yeah, I wonder as well, um, because the way we projected shop visits tend to be based on what I would call a full a full refurbishment of, of all modules, because that's the, I suppose that's the most economical way in the long term. Um, I mean, would you agree that I suppose my 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 view is that the numbers of shop visits may come back rapidly, but I'm not so sure they're going to be full refurbishments. I think there will be a, a lot more sort of localized repairs and maybe, uh, you know, restoration of the hot section. Is that a fair summary as well? Um, I, I, th I think so. I mean, what we're seeing already is that a lot of the shop visit events are these hospital visit, top case repairs or, or just lease return inspections. Um, that, that seems to be driving the majority of the demand in the engine shops market. Um, in terms of going forward, there's going to be a lot of reluctance from airlines to invest in maintenance of their engines, I would say, for the next two, two years, potentially more towards three years. It really depends on how this recovery takes place. But in, in terms of the, the, the scope, that, that, that's a tricky one. I think absolutely there's going to be a lot of incentive to avoiding these, you know, quote-unquote, gold-plated shop visits where everything is fully restored and 100% brand new LLP material is placed in. Um, obviously, that's a transition we would normally see throughout the life of an engine as the, as the engine model matures, um, but perhaps we'll see that accelerated in some types. Obviously, a lot of the newer engines that are tied into OEM care pro um, products, those are, are going to be a lot trickier to, to argue that way, but but perhaps engines in the, in the midlife, we may see that transition a little bit faster. There's going to be a lot of debate around that with, with um, operators and, and lessors in particular. Yeah, thanks. I think um, actually we we are planning another webinar on December the 10th where we're going to take a much deeper dive into engine shop visit and cost management because um, we've touched on a few things there in terms of possible changes in repairs, but also how you know lessors may be looking at <clears throat> accrued maintenance reserves and how to efficiently use that cash and of course airlines will be looking to preserve cash but of course you know 
also wanting to look to make sure that the the shop visits are are optimized um so uh we're going to spend a lot more time on that um on december the 10th webinar um just going back to some of the the high level stuff one of the areas david that we've seen i i don't think you know, any of the engine oems are doing particularly well you know talking specifically about rolls royce i mean they they've had to cut back staff uh you know on, on quite a big scale both on the manufacturing side and the the sales side uh, a lot of the people you know we know are unfortunately uh looking for work now so on the one one hand revenues are dropping because of a slowdown in sales of new engines but the oems have pursued a policy in the aftermarket for the last 15 or 20 years where the, their business model um has meant you know if they're not making money on sales initially they have to capture the aftermarket and of course the the the, the aftermarket is down you know all of those projected shop visits are not happening so um uh, do you think that's given them a chance to catch their breath of they are they for example roles has that given them a chance to uh sort out some of the trent engine issues yeah i, I think absolutely I, I, you know the oems have had a, a very rough time of it i think you're fair to say rolls royce in particular um, but they've all suffered somewhat um, but the efforts of, of Rolls-Royce and Pratt and & Whitney to rectify issues on the Trent 1000 on the GTF have been have been excellent um, you know we're still seeing more and more information coming in on that but but we're seeing a lot of the the issues that were causing um, AOG events on the Trent 1000 um, last we heard last information we received on that there were zero AOG events and Pratt & Whitney is making excellent progress towards kind of updating their fleet to the, to the latest build standard with the, with the newer combustors and and resolving, you know, the, the, the list of, of issues that exist on those engines, unfortunately. Um, in terms of the aftermarket business model, um, I think that's, that's a very fair statement. You know, it's been somewhat of a necessary evil. If you're going to drive down the, the cost of the engines at the point of sale, at some point the OEMs have to recoup their costs. Um, and that, 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 for the wide body market in particular, became um, that control of the aftermarket. Now, we have seen that transition as well in the narrow body. We've seen an increase on the leaps and the gts in particular have rather high levels of, of oem care programs um, being signed up on purchase um, but perhaps this is going to you know drive a, a shift away from that model in future if there is that reluctance to be tied into that maintenance cost and um, we may instead see the oems bringing that cost back at point of sale we may see a higher cost of ownership for the engine and a, and a reduced maintenance cost long term perhaps that will be the transition we'll see but um I think there'll be some reluctance to that, um, but I'm sure um, that that may help some lessons and operators in the long run. Yeah, I mean it is a conundrum. I think well across any business now, looking at you know the the recovery profile in terms of pricing of anything. You know, do you do you charge more for the seat on the aircraft because you know you, you just have to bring in some revenue and profitability against lower demand do you, do you put prices up on engines because you're you're selling fewer it's the the classic uh economics conundrum which i think is going to be facing uh well all businesses not not just the uh aerospace oems but um yeah i uh, well i must admit i think that the correction we've all been looking for uh, has been a severe overcorrection but um in terms of some of the some of the engine types that are are doing well i mean i'm assuming that with all these freighters flying around 
David, that some of those engine types must be doing okay, aren't they, in terms of you know burning off the green time, needing shop visits in the future? Absolutely. Um, I mean, particularly around the 767, that's proven to be one of the more successful. Uh, and you know, when when we talk about the the markets that have done the worst, we we usually go back to that same subset of, of mature and wide body. And this is the case that just puts it on its head. Um, so we're looking at the Prowley 4000, the CF6 ATC2. Um, on the 767, obviously also on the 747, which is not a positive outlook, um, inevitably. But those those markets in terms of lease rates and values have held up incredibly well. Um, particularly when you look at comparable engines where you'd expect to see discounts of the 40% plus region compared to where we were previously. Um, these are more much more in line, perhaps 10, 15% softer than, than we would have suggested previously. Um, but the, the demand is still there. How long that lasts for, I think that that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, but for now, the, the demand remains consistent uh, and the engines have done very well. It, it's been a market where historically there's been less investment in the maintenance. You know, you, you burn through the green time of a fleet and you're left with uh, engines in good condition achieving a premium. Uh, and that's, I guess, what we've seen um, in, in recent years with that strength in the freighter market. Yeah, fair enough. Thanks for that. I think the um, one of the areas I, I wanted to discuss briefly. I mean, the in terms of the the drop in values. I mean, how, how do you how do you assess that? Because there is a lack of data, isn't there? Is it, is this based on what we've seen historically, or, or are we seeing real data points that that we can use? combination um absolutely especially at the start of, of 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 covid there was a real lack of any trades um anything we did see was typically a holdover from pre-covid uh, transactions that have been put together over time it's a combination of, of what we've seen historically what we have seen trade and conversations with the market um so obviously our relationship with the market that's a that's a key driver as, as we as iba we don't buy and sell engines we remain impartial um, it's important that we that we maintain those relationships, and, and that's fed us the, the data really. Now, our market values are driven by ISTEP definition, so that's a key point to state. Um, whereas what we're seeing today, what you'd expect an engine to trade for today, falls much more into that distressed sale scenario. Um, for as an example, you know, looking at a narrow body engine, if we're saying, well, we're looking at a an eight to ten percent or eight to twelve percent reduction in value for say a five B slash three pip. Uh, the market itself may not be willing to pay anything more than a 30% discount. Um, so there, there is some difference there, but really it comes down to the relationships we have with the market uh, and the information that we have historically. Luckily, we also have 30 years worth of trading data, which really helps. We've seen previous downturns. Whilst not perfectly comparable, it does give us some good insight into, into what to expect. And similarly for the recovery curve, there's so many variables at play. We'll look at what's been done historically and we will look at the market. Luckily, our Insight IQ has some great data on utilization of the fleets, much more granular than what we had previously. So that was first used in our revision of the shop visit impact quite recently, actually, um, to revise you know, where we thought this was going to go. Um, so that there have been some changes to previous years, but I think that's only going to improve as we go along and as we get a kind of a more concrete view of what the market's doing. Um, I think we're moving away from that point of, of kind of the market being in flux and we're kind of coming to a more, bit more of a stable point, hopefully where we're going to begin to recover from. Yeah, thanks. I mean, that, you brought up an important point that I'll, I'll share with the listeners as well on that is that, yeah, utilisation is key and it, it, it's, it's obviously not just because we want to see 
aircraft and engines flying for the sake of it there are some very technical issues that come around as well because a lot of the maintenance programs for aircraft and engines uh, aircraft in particular the maintenance programs are built around um, a sort of minimum number of hours or cycles flown um, when you get very lengthy storage periods it can actually will require the regulators will want airlines to look very closely at the utilization or a, a low utilization maintenance program because you know, corrosion can happen even when the aircraft or engine is is being stored and not used obviously there's less stress and strain in terms of uh, the cycles and takeoff and landings etc but the um, that utilization change can actually trigger a different set of technical issues so um, I think there will be more coming up on that uh, in terms of the, the technical chat, uh, we'll probably be talking about that on our December the 10th webinar. The other point I just wanted to mention briefly was, um, uh, you know, we are seeing a lot more emphasis on on ESG, in particular, you know, the E, the environmental issues now. Um, I did see a, there was a bit of news about Rolls-Royce um, will be using 100% sustainable aviation fuel for the first time in testing uh, some of the next generation engine technology. Um, so I think these these periods of downtime, whilst of course we never want to see these issues again, it has given some of the research teams chance to look you know, beyond beyond COVID and into uh, the, the 2030s in terms of the demands that the industry is going to have um, and investors are going to have in terms of uh, initiatives that will will bring down the carbon emissions. We're, we're going to be announcing something very exciting about that in the coming weeks. Um, we will be updating our white paper on the the environment and the impact on on aviation and in, and in particular aviation financing in the coming weeks. So uh, without further ado, David, uh, unless there's anything I've forgotten to bring up, um, was there anything you wanted to mention that I, I may have forgotten in my points or is that it for the afternoon? Um, no, I, I mean, I think I think generally just I wanted to leave on a, on like a term of positivity. I think um, we are looking forward and we are seeing some positive trends, particularly in, in newer engines. We're seeing a, a healthier lease rate factor, which has been an area of debate for some time. Pre-COVID, that level of competition for, for the narrow-body engines was driving those very low to the point where it was hard to really argue that they were profitable. Um, and that seems to now be rectifying itself. So I think there are signs that the correction has, has had a, a healthy effect on the market, for, for, the, for the long term at least. I know now is not a great time um, to be involved. We've got, we've got a, a long winter ahead before hopefully a, a spring and summertime recovery beginning. But the outlook is, is kind of becoming a bit, bit clearer and a bit more optimistic. Um, that, yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, the bottom line is that aircraft and aircraft engines are a long-term investment, and I, I think we've seen so much demand from new investors who perhaps saw some short-term profitability over the last five or six years. Um, but actually, you know, I think there will be a the so-called flight to quality. I think the the, the not just in terms of engines, but in terms of lessors and financial institutions which support the aircraft and engine finance industry, uh, they know it's a long-term game. So I, I don't think they will be 
uh, brushing off and looking to liquidate. But I, I suspect there are some investors who just saw the aviation growth as uh, you know, something that couldn't couldn't go wrong. We have mentioned a few points here today that uh, it's probably worth listeners to the podcast having a look at our website, iba.aero, to look at the previous webinar that we referred to. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to have a, a technical engine shop management review on December the 10th. And um, lastly, um, before we say goodbye, I would ask you to vote for us in the Airline Economics 100 Awards. Uh, we are the current proud owners of the Appraiser of the Year 2020 Award. Um, we did win previously in 2018 and 2012, but we would really like to retain that, that title. It's obviously been a very difficult year for the industry, and uh, we know that many of our colleagues out there uh, have, have suffered, you know, uh, economically, and uh, you know, it's 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 been a really tough year. But I I hope you'll agree that we've been really upping our game in terms of of content. Uh, the demand for data has uh, never been greater, and we hope that we're delivering that through our updated Insight IQ. Um, so without further ado, I will say goodbye, um, leave you to say goodbye, David, and we will uh, wish you all a, a very happy holiday season. Bye for now. Good. Thank you. Bye-bye.